Lord, we thank you for Wesley. We thank you for this opportunity to get to hear, Lord, what you've put in his heart. And Wesley, we just bless you. I just bless you. I bless the leadership that you carry, the vision that you walk with. I bless even the intimate places that you carry with the Lord. Uh, You are such a deep well. I just even keep hearing the phrase, a deep history, deep history. So, Lord, we thank you for the deep history that this man carries, Lord. We thank you for how he has just led us as a body, but also just our youth. And just for what you're doing, Lord, we receive everything that he carries. Everything. Everything. And we thank you for this opportunity to gather around the table and to listen to what you have to say this morning. And we just say, can we just say we bless you? All right. Love you, man. Come on, that's good. Wow. I feel blessed. It's not just words. I love having tables in this room. Welcome to the table. Um, I actually want to start out with a question for our table as like an icebreaker. Actually, before that, though, I don't think there is. But if there's anyone that's like at a table by themselves, don't be by yourself. Basically, that's my exhortation. Don't be by yourself. Um, Yeah, you can move. If it's just like two people and there's another table with just two, just combine. Um... I want to start out with an icebreaker question and go around. We'll do this like really quick. And kids, you can answer this too. The question is, if you had Jesus over for dinner, what would you make for him? Or kids, what do you think Jesus' favorite food might be? So we'll do like two minutes. Ready, set, go. All right, 10 more seconds, 10 more seconds. And time. All right, I'm actually really curious who thinks they have the best answer. Over here. What do y'all think? Oh, they're all different. Well, someone from your table. A casserole. There you go. Come on. I bet Jesus has never had a casserole before. I bet so. Over here. A hamburger. That's a great answer, too. I don't think Jesus has ever had a hamburger. Back here. 
Hey, hey, that's the right answer. Jesse. Monkey bread and fine wine. All right, that's good. I would say baklava just because I love it so much. But anyways, all right, um, we're going to kick into gear right here. If you were not here last week and you're wondering why there's tables, Andrew did an amazing job opening it up last week about just what we're feeling over the table and about the table right now. The Lord's been speaking a lot to us about coming to the table, and Heidi gave us a prophetic word about tables. And so we have put tables in the sanctuary for last week and this week as a prophetic act and because I think it's super fun. Um, Isn't it fun? Yeah, it's so good. I love it. But we really feel like the Lord is inviting us to his table in this season. And so last week, Andrew opened it up, and it was a really amazing message. If you were not here, go listen to that. And I want to continue in that theme, and I want to hit specifically on what it means to encounter the Lord at the table. Because y'all probably all already know, our mission statement is encountering Jesus and transforming cities with his power and love. But the question is, what does encountering him mean? Right? If we were to go around this room, if I were to ask you, what does encountering the Lord mean? I might get a lot of different answers, and the truth is they're all right. Right? Like, you may be like, it's in worship, it's in prayer, it's in my quiet time, it's, you know, I had this one encounter when I was 18. Or like, we all might have different stories, and there's many ways that we encounter the Lord, but I want to speak this morning into a... I don't know what to even call it. I don't think it's a tension, but it's this, sometimes it is a tension in the body of Christ between encountering the Lord on mountaintops and encountering him at the table. And I I briefly talked about this in August, actually, right before I was gone for a little bit. But there's, there's some denominations in the body of Christ that really put emphasis on these, what I would call mountaintop encounters with the Lord. How would I describe a mountaintop or define it? I would say it's an encounter with the Lord that's noticeably supernatural. A mountaintop, if you look through the Old Testament, the Lord encountered a lot of people on mountaintops, and it's noticeably supernatural. It's Abraham with the binding of Isaac. He sees a supernatural provision of the Lord. Moses sees the supernatural presence of the Lord several times on mountaintops, right? The burning bush. A lot of the book of Exodus, right? Moses is on the mountaintop getting the downloads for the tabernacle and the law and all this stuff, right? There's, in, in Exodus, there's the glory cloud, there's smoke, there's this voice rumbling, there's lightning, there's thundering, there's fire. It's this, these mountaintop things. They're amazing. And the Lord wants us to encounter him on mountaintops. Amen? And I'm sure many of us in this room have had amazing mountaintop encounters with the Lord that are noticeably supernatural And that's good and that's great and the Lord invites us up mountains. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But there's some some denominations and sections of the church that only emphasize the mountain and they miss the table. But then there's other people that emphasize the table and they don't really believe in the mountain. How would I describe the table? The table is a place where we meet with the Lord and he reveals himself to us through things that are natural. It's natural, it's community, it's discipleship, it's family, it's Bible studies, it's it's just things, it's just these growth places that may seem very natural to us, but the Lord is still working in them. Does that make sense? 
So I want to start by actually talking about mountaintops because they are important. And, and one, they're not actually isolated. I actually think that they're connected. And I want to turn to Matthew 17, if you want to turn with me. Again, I talked about this a little bit in August, but it just hasn't escaped my heart. And I'm like, we're going to go back here, and I want to really dive into this. So Matthew 17, I want to give some New Testament examples of mountain and a table. Because in the Old Testament, the Lord encountered people on mountains a lot. Because the spirit wasn't poured out. And so it was always these like supernatural, really big times when the Lord spoke, right? Like so much so that the Israelites were afraid. They were like, Moses, you go talk to God. We're going to stay over here. Because it was so supernatural, it kind of freaked them out. But there were still examples in the New Testament, and like here in Matthew 17, of mountaintop encounters. Actually, I'm, <laughs> I want to start in 1628. Because why not? So Matthew 16, verse 28, Jesus is saying, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So he's talking to his disciples. So he says, there's some of you here right now that will not taste death till you see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So his disciples are like, well, that's good news. We're about to see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. They're like waiting for it. So then, intentionally, it says, and six days after this, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and he led them up a high mountain by themselves. Who led them up the mountain? Jesus led them up the mountain. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we're here. If you wish, I will make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. Okay, so I want to point out a few things. Number one, we already said this, but who led them up the mountain? There was a reason he led them up the mountain, and it was to encounter him on the mountaintop. So they're walking up this mountain. I love, like, visualizing the Bible. Like, I don't always know exactly how things happen, but I'm like, were they just walking and then, boom, Jesus starts shining like the sun? Or was he like, all right, let's sit down and pray? Like, I don't know what happened, but what I know is that they're on the mountain. Jesus starts shining bright like the sun. His clothes are white as light. There's a voice. There's a cloud. Moses and Elijah show up. I mean, that's a little weird. I don't like to be honest, I'm like, really, Lord? Like, <laughs> I don't know how that works theologically. Just two little ghosts pop up. I don't know. How'd they know it was Moses and Elijah? Like, they didn't have pictures. Like, <laughs> I, I, there's so many questions. I don't know if y'all read the Bible. and you, I have so many questions. I'm like, did they have, like, portraits? Like, they had name tags. Moses, Elijah. Like, 
I don't know how they knew, but they knew. It's a mountaintop encounter. Y'all ever have those like things with the Lord you just know? But here's the thing. They are walking up the mountain. It's mon- they're just walking up the mountain, and then boom. Glory, light, Jesus is shining. His face is transfigured. Moses and Elijah pop up, and the disciples have to be thinking, this is it. This is the kingdom of God coming. The son of man will come in his kingdom. They're like, this is the moment. Moses and Elijah, it's the law and the prophets. Jesus is the fulfillment of both of those. Mountaintop encounters are when everything is like my whole life has led up to this kind of moment. Y'all ever had those? You're like, and on the mountain you see Jesus. You see what he's fulfilling. You see what he's doing. Peter, rightly so, just like I've done a lot of times, he's like, it is good to be here. I am glad to be on this mountaintop. And he says, Lord, I'm going to make three tents. What's he saying? Lord, let's camp right here. Let's camp on this mountaintop. And God from heaven rebukes him. God from heaven rebukes him. Jesus, the man, didn't be like, Peter, that's not a good idea. The voice and the cloud says, This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. He's saying, Peter, you've turned it. You think you're here for the encounter, but you're here to see a revelation of who Jesus is. I want you to see him, not the encounter. The encounter is good, but it leads you to him. So God from heaven rebukes him and says, this is my son. Listen to him. And then they're terrified, rightly so, because I got rebuked from a cloud. They fall on their faces, they look up, and it's just Jesus. Then, as they were coming down the mountain, who led them down the mountain? Interesting. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, tell no one of the vision till the Son of Man is raised from the dead. Now, here we find something really fascinating, because a lot of us in this room have had mountaintop encounters, I'm sure, But when you come down from the mountain, life slaps you in the face. Y'all know what I'm talking about? A couple weeks ago, I was here encountering the Lord. I go home. My laundry room is flooded with water. My dog ripped the trash out. The trash can is strung it all throughout the house. You know, and you're like, I'm sure you, those of you who have kids, you understand this way more than I do. But how many of you feel this tension between the mountaintop and quote-unquote real life? Can we talk about that for a second? Because Jesus leads them down the mountain. They're immediately met by a demon-possessed boy who the disciples couldn't heal. Now Jesus is rebuking them for not having faith. Then Jesus says, also, I'm going to die. By the way, I'm going to die soon. And Peter, James, and John are probably like, what, Lord, you rebuke, what, what? No, 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 let's go back up the mountain. Back, come here, Jesus, back up the mountain. Actually, I had some questions from Moses and Elijah I wanted to ask them, so this is great. Let's just go back up the mountain. He led them down the mountain for a reason. Because mountaintops are amazing, and on the mountaintop we see a revelation of Jesus. I think He gives us our calling and some identity and vision and purpose and all these things. There's a lot that the Lord does on the mountain. We see his glory. We see like the largeness and majesty of God on the mountain. 
But if we only isolate the movement and the encountering of the Lord to the mountaintop, we miss the, actually the majority of our Christian walk. I'm not even going to say half. You live more at the table than on the mountaintop. Jesus lived more at the table than on mountaintops. But I don't want to minimize mountaintops. And actually, I felt to do this just to build faith this morning. I want one person at each table to share a mountaintop encounter they've had with the Lord. What is a mountaintop encounter that you've had with the Lord? A time when you've, you've encountered the supernatural presence of the Lord, where you're like, that was the Lord. Maybe it was a vision, maybe it was a word, maybe it was even a dream, maybe it was during worship, the Lord spoke something to you. It doesn't have to be like super crazy, but I want each person, we're going to take like two minutes. So if you go quick, maybe two people can share, but probably everyone will not be able to share. So I want us to build faith and to share testimony of the faithfulness of the Lord on the mountaintop. So ready, set, go. How many of you feel encouraged and your faith is strengthened listening to people's mountaintops encounters amen that's amazing when we remember and testify to what the lord has done on mountaintops it builds our faith it reminds us of his glory his majesty of his it just reminds us it like strengthens us it's good but again we are not called to live our lives on a mountaintop encounter. Technically, actually, according to the new, like in the new covenant, we are being built into like Mount Zion. So like we are a mountaintop encounter, you could say. But there's a place for us at the table. And now I want to talk about the table. And so turn if to turn to Matthew 26. You could also turn to John 13. I'm gonna kind of talk about both at the same time. But Matthew 26. This is just a few chapters later. So again, the disciples, I don't know. It's just so interesting to me. Like, I wonder what they pictured when Jesus said, some of you won't taste death till you see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. I'm pretty sure they pictured some militant, you know, Messiah figure. And then Peter, James, and John saw Jesus being transfigured. But now in Matthew 26, and actually, I'm going to first read out of John 13. You know, on the mountain, the voice comes from the cloud. God speaks over Peter, James, and John. They say about Jesus, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Now, a few chapters later, in John 13, it says, Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So this is, this is Passover, this is the Last Supper, and I love that John mentions this at the beginning of it. 
Because on the mountain, the Father speaks over Jesus, you're my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Now it's saying Jesus, knowing who he was, where he came from, where he's going, like him knowing his identity, what did it look, out, what did it look like for him to live out the mountaintop encounter? Jesus living out the identity that was actually spoken over him on the mountaintop looked like him washing the disciples' feet. That's really interesting. Because we think a lot of times when the Lord speaks something to us on a mountaintop, we think it's fulfilled on another mountaintop. But it actually looked like him washing their feet, and then it looked like this Passover dinner. So Matthew 26, we'll start in verse 26. It says, now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body. He took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of this vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Now, I don't really know what the disciples were thinking when Jesus is saying, here's my body and here's my blood, right? I would love to have been in that room and seen how they responded. But I have a feeling, I want us to think about this, Peter, James, and John, who saw Jesus transfigured, and they're like, he's God, and he's bringing his kingdom. And now... He's sitting at the table fulfilling Passover. What's Passover? Passover is the shadow. It's like it's the thing that was to reveal Jesus to come. And now it's literally Moses spoke the Passover and Jesus is fulfilling it. And all of the prophets, the things, all of Jeremiah and Ezekiel and all the people who prophesied about a new covenant. It's Moses and Elijah being fulfilled by Jesus saying a new covenant is happening. It's in my blood. Here's my body. Here's my bread. Does that make sense? My body and my blood. Now, I would think Moses and Peter, James, and John, they're thinking, oh my gosh, he's fulfilling, this is it. This is the moment. Like, they're sitting there like, the glory cloud's about to come. There's about to be a light. Jesus is about to shine as bright as the sun. Where's the voice? They're sitting there waiting and waiting. And Jesus takes bread and he breaks it. There's no light rays shining out of the bread. I've seen pictures, you know, like there's like this like glorious like halo of light. And, you know, it's like this, ah, you know what I'm talking about? Jesus breaks bread, crumbs fall to the, on the table, I don't know. And he starts handing it out. And he says, here's the new covenant. The institution of the new covenant is offensively mundane. I mean that. My, my flesh is literally offended at how mundane Jesus instituted the new covenant. I wish it was like this big glory cloud. Like, you know, he could have literally had, there could have been like birds coming and chirping around and all the animals. Like, you know what I'm talking about? There could have been this voice that's like, this is the new covenant. Like, I am actually in my flesh offended at how mundane the institution of the new covenant was. It is a man breaking bread and eating dinner with his friends. (laughs) 
Guys, that hits me so deep. The glory of the new covenant is Emmanuel, God with us. It's that he's with you. The glory of the new covenant is that he's sitting at your table right now. See, in the Old Testament, they went up on the mountain to encounter him. In the New Testament, he's just sitting at your table. Is that enough for us? Is that enough for us in our like hyper emotional whatever culture where we want results and fruit and where we want to have all of these things? Is it enough for us to be in a place where it's just Jesus in our everyday lives sitting at a table with us? Because if we think we only meet him on the mountaintop, what we actually do, and I mean, I saw this picture as I was preparing for this and it rocked my heart. It's like Peter, James, and John were to leave the table to go back up on the mountain to encounter Jesus, but he's not on the mountain, he's at the table. And they literally would have missed the new covenant. They would have missed Jesus breaking bread for them if they didn't understand he was at the table. I saw that picture because I've done it. We do that. And I want to speak into what do I mean when I say the table. The table is your everyday mundane rhythms of life that just seem so normal. It's taking your kids to school. Doing homework with your kids. (laughs) It's having dinner with friends or with family. It's doing your taxes, taking your dog on a walk. Like Jesus is in the mundane, but he wants to make it supernatural. But the, him making it supernatural for the disciples, he's literally taking bread and wine and fulfilling Passover and him turning it into supernatural looked pretty natural. But he was literally fulfilling everything that had been spoken for over 4,000 years about him. I don't want us to miss the simplicity of Emmanuel, God with us. He's with you when you're rejoicing. He's with you when you're weeping. He's with you when you're doing your taxes. He's with you when you're worried about finances. He's with you when you just find out you're pregnant and you're rejoicing about it because it's amazing. He's with you when your adoption gets fully funded. He's with you, like he's with you. But I'm afraid, because I've recognized my own heart doing this, and I see us doing this, is that we actually, we almost stomp down or abandon the regular things in life and see Jesus through it in order to go to a mountaintop where we think we'll encounter him. And I want to talk to parents really quick. I don't have any kids, but I've seen this so much. I think our house is really good about family. I mean, literally, our kids are in here right now. It's amazing. But I see in our culture, I'm not even saying convergence culture, church culture, this thing of it's like parents feel like they have to abandon the table to go meet the Lord on the mountain. Like there's this thing, even though like we know children are a gift from the Lord, it's like my kids are a distraction from me encountering the Lord. Maybe on the mountaintop, right? Like I remember Marcy talked a while back about like sitting here, laying on the floor, encountering the Lord and like, years ago and her kids were just jumping on her back you know what I mean like that's a very real thing and it may feel like man this is like hard how do I do this together well I want to tell you if you think you can only encounter the Lord on a mountain 
You may feel like your kids in normal life are a distraction from Jesus. But when we recognize he's with us at the table, it actually becomes the place where Christ becomes formed in you and through you. And it actually becomes a place where your kids now see the kingdom of God being lived out and they encounter the Lord at your table. And you don't need to go take them to a mountaintop for them to see Jesus because they see him in you. It's discipleship. Does this hit home? Do y'all know what I'm talking about? And again, that's not a place of shame. I'm not saying that like in a bad way. What I'm saying is there's a beautiful invitation. There's a beautiful invitation to invite Jesus into the offensively mundane, normal things of life. Because he didn't die on the cross so we could still just meet him on mountaintops. He died so he could be right here. And I don't want to box in what it looks like for me to meet with him. And in the table, there's community. And you meet him through people. And the person, look at the people at your table. The person across from you and next to you has Christ inside of them that you need. You see Jesus through others at the table. You see him revealed and bright and shining as the sun on the mountain. But through the table, you see him through people. And this is, who John 13, right in the middle. This is crazy. It talks about Jesus knowing who he was. And it says, during supper, when the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. I want to tell you, you'll be betrayed at the table. When you do community with people, you will be betrayed. You will find difficult circumstances at the table where you want to run away from the table and go up the mountain. Oh, it's so real. <laughs> You're like, oh, Lord, I don't like this table anymore. I'm moving tables. <laughs> I'm going to a different table. I'm going to a different church, different community, different small group. And he's like, will you wash their feet? <laughs> Because you washing their feet is actually you walking in the identity that he's spoken over you. And what if he's called you to that table because no one else at that table has what you have and that's why you need to bring it. And you're actually supposed to bring it from a humble and submissive heart. Like washing feet. Lives change at the table. Lives change and are transformed. My life has changed so much at the table. I know last time I was here, I brought up my friend Harold. Last time I spoke on this, like he and I have been meeting for like two years every week, and it's crazy. His like, I've changed. He's changed. I'm like, wow. My life. Like, there's so many. I was like at the birds' table. I don't know if y'all been to the birds' table, but if you go there, it's dangerous. You're gonna be asking questions that make you rethink your life. I mean that. My life has changed at the bird's table, like actual table. (laughs) 
and also on the church's couch in their office. <laughs> I don't know. Y'all should have a sign-up sheet. If you go sit in the church, if you go sit in their office on that couch, everything makes sense. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's so true. I used to, it literally was a red couch. And I would sit in there and I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, this is on purpose. I hear the Lord, I know the Lord, but I need community and tables in order to meet him how I couldn't by myself. The identity and vision and mission and purpose and all the things that's spoken on the mountaintop are actually meant to be lived at the table. I wanna take a few minutes and have another person, another few people, share at your table how you've encountered the Lord at the table. What are some places where maybe you're literally doing the dishes and the Lord starts speaking to you? Maybe what's something that, you've, that was difficult for you, but rather than running away, you found a place to serve? I know it's, a little more, it's more difficult for us to talk about the table than the mountain because it seems so normal. But a table, a table encounter is like, I used to get upset when this happened, and then now the Lord's given me grace, and I don't get upset. Does that make sense? That's a test. That's the Lord. That's us being transformed into the image of Christ. So let's take a couple minutes and talk about table encounters. Ready? Go. All right. I want to point something out about communion is this is kind of the theme that I'm hitting on for the table is how completely ordinary bread and wine are. Like Jesus is perfectly fine revealing the kingdom, the infinite, glorious, majestic kingdom of God he reveals to us in the most simple ways. Like, even, <laughs> even the parables, like, imagine, so God himself is talking with people to describe heaven. Like, God describing heaven is like, there's a farmer, he has a field. <laughs> like, if someone was like, Wesley, describe heaven to me, I would be like, oh my gosh, like, you know what I'm saying? He's like, there's a farmer, there's a field, there's good seed, bad seed, good seed grows up, bad, like, literally, it's like, it's so easy to miss it because it's too simple, but it's not basic. Like, it's simple, but profound, it's simple, but infinitely deep. And so as we take communion, I want us to like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, I want us to like commit to meeting the Lord through the simplicity of bread and wine and juice. Like, Jesus is perfectly fine Revealing the kingdom of God to you through simple, ordinary things. I think he almost prefers it. 
And so I want us to take communion as tables. Jesus said to do this in remembrance of him. And so either one person at each table can lead this or someone can do the bread, someone can do the wine. Do it as a family. I want us just to take communion and commit to seeing and recognizing the Lord at his table through the simple bread and wine and finding the infinite majesty of his glory and power through the simplicity of this message and meal. So let's take communion. still taking communion, just keep going. Um, We have prophetic teams today. So if you're on the prophetic team, just when you finish communion, if you want to come over to this side, um, and if you would like to receive a prophetic word, you can just come over to anyone over there. They would love to give you prophetic word. And we'll have ministry teams over on this side. If you want to just receive ministry, if there's something that you want agreement and prayer for, just come over here. Um, Also for kids, If you want to come up to the front and Miss Kim has a uh, prize for you. And I charge you, Convergence Church, to encounter the Lord at the table this week. To recognize him and to see him at the table and in the simple, mundane things where he wants to reveal his glory to you. Be blessed.